Welcome to Curiosity, the podcast about the nitty-gritty LGBTIQ, sexy, dirty, curious, queerious stuff that people are afraid to talk about or have no platform to. Hi, I'm Renee. Hi, it's Ruth here. Hey, this is Tam. Hi, it's Cyrus here. to introduce Ruth to you all officially. Yeah! So Ruth was in one of the more recent episodes that we did. Um, Cyrus is going away for a little while. <laughs> but you know, he's got to, what's it called? He's got to spread, spread his, his wild oats. What's what? the saying? <laughs> spread, his, spread his wild oats. Did you say rolled so oats? So his seeds. So his rolled oats. I don't know what. Anyway, he's he's got, he's got to go spread his wings. He's gone traveling for a wee while, and we just loved having Ruth on the show so much that we've decided that we're gonna keep her. Oh, so you're all shy now, Ruth? <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> um. So welcome, Ruth, and this will be Cyrus' last episode for a while. We're gonna really miss you, but have a fantastic oh, trip. Maybe we can you. just Skype you in. You know, every once in a while, that'd be every amazing. Every once in a while. So this episode, we decided we were going to have a chat about um, sex work within the queer community. Yeah, and Ruthie was um, amazing. She was all gung-ho and... Uh, Snared us a really good interview for this episode. Yeah. We're a bit excited. So I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Tilly Lawless before, but she is a sex, queer sex worker and activist from Sydney who we're all feeling a little bit inspired by at the moment. Um, yeah, she sort of had like an overnight rise to fame, into web fame after um, creating a Instagram post or tweet or something that was in response to an article that was written in Mamma Mia magazine. Oh, yeah, gross. Um, they it was were reposted like, though. Like someone else wrote it. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, and she was, you know, commenting on some things that were said about the film um, Pretty Woman mm. and Julia Roberts' character and some things about that. And anyway, she created the hashtag um, Faces of Prostitution. Prostitution and then kind of, yeah, blew up overnight. Mm. So later on we'll have an interview with her, which is going to be awesome i can feel it in my bones yeah uh, but on the note of sex work within the queer community like what are your guys knowledge of mm. sex work within the community like have you ever been sex workers i haven't but upon reflection with this topic i've always sort of been drawn to that the idea, idea. Mm. um i don't know why that is i th- I have no rational understanding of it, but it's just really interesting. I could imagine you yeah. killing it as a like a stripper, like oh. as a pole dancer. Yeah. A stripper would be fun. I just like. Um... <laughs> well, Cyrus is also a really sexy dancer. Yeah. I feel like you'd look so hot on a pole. Yeah. With a set of really big heels. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you feel like yes. you're good at sex? Is that also a reason that sort of? I was drawn to. Um, I was drawn to this idea before I even got sexual. I, I only, like, lost my virginity at 21, which is pretty late. And I was waiting for, like, this idea of the one and, like, this whole romantic thing. And then finally I was like, 
okay, fuck it, it's not happening. <laughs> you, me, let's go. And then that's just like how it happened. But I was just always wondering, I was always drawn to that idea. Um, but I just thought maybe the emotional aspect of it might be too hard to handle mm. but recently i've been like hooking when i hook up with people i'm like i might as well get paid for this because it's not that fun <laughs> so, and so i've been wondering if i could could yeah. actually do it professionally mm. well yeah. apparently lots of people use websites like bbrt for sex work yeah right like you can actually do that yeah i don't know if, if it's completely legal but it's quite common for gay guys okay mm. yeah no. I I guess I've had some um, not so much sex work, but um, working behind the bar at a strip club for many years kind of gave me some insights. A mm. lot of a lot of the dancers um, would also double as like sex workers. Mm. Um, but stripping is a form of sex work. Yes. Mm. Yeah, but I mean more. Yeah, full service. Oh, full service. Full yeah. service. Um, so, and I think it is really different. Like, I never really thought about it like that. I Didn't never you say thought that people would come to the bar and try to hit on you as well, and like oh. you have the opportunity to potentially. Oh yeah, men always wanted to pay me for a lap dance because I was. Closed. You were the challenge. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and yeah, a lot of the girls did did do other sex work than stripping. But even just saying that now, I never really thought about stripping as sex work. I don't know. No. I just never put those two things together. And that's why that whole hierarchy thing is very interesting. And I suppose it's never really been put into context like that. But it, not that I see one as I just I just don't know why. But in my brain. Because there's no sex happening, I just didn't think of it as sex work. So anyway, we're now all going to have a chat with Tilly. We'll give her a call up in Sydney and ask her some questions and get to know her experience as a queer sex worker. Um, hi Tilly, welcome to Curiosity. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> it's really great to have you on the show. Um, Tilly is a queer sex worker from Sydney, and we're really grateful that she can speak with us. Um, so, Tilly, we just got some questions to ask you, if you don't mind. Uh-huh. Cool. Um, yeah. So, I decided to ask questions that didn't really relate very much to sex work, just because it's interesting to get to know someone as a person, not just for what their job is I guess yeah totally yeah um so I wanted to know is there a singer or songwriter that you idolize um and how do you feel you can relate to them or their music I don't have like one particular singer or songwriter that I idolize but I tend to I tend to really admire people who can combine politics with art so um and like um singers with like integrity so like for example like um Beyonce, Dolly Parton, George Michael, like they're all examples of people who I think are really um, strong in their activism and politics, but also um, write amazing music. So yeah. that, yeah. Rest in peace, yeah. George. Oh, rest in peace, George. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> a bit of a sore spot. Maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, um, my next question was, what's your favourite thing to eat for breakfast? 
I actually don't usually eat breakfast because I work night shifts. I usually wake up quite late and just like sort of end up having lunch at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I've kind yeah. of stopped the breakfast. Do you ever do like the sneaky um, fast food on the way home? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I actually I actually don't. I usually like get home and like have a piece of toast and go to bed. Yeah. Like um yeah. I, I wish like you would work Yeah, out. I don't really Sorry, go. I feel like you could really get hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely get hungry. Actually, what I eat all through night shifts is I get all the other girls laugh at me because I always get like nice like meals and I just get baby food like the cinnamon and pear flavored baby food that comes in like a squeezy container and I eat it all night. I get like five every shift and I just because then if you're going in and out of jobs, you just quickly have a baby food. And I guess <laughs> it doesn't like make you feel bloated or like. Hopefully, no, yeah, it doesn't gassy. fill you up too much and it gives you heaps of energy. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Is it the one that you suck from the tube? <laughs> yes. Yes, I, yes, that's exactly it. I actually used to, back in the day when I used to drink, I used to fill them up with vodka and put them in my bra and oh, take them out to clubs. Yes. So I didn't have to smart. buy a drink. Good yeah. <laughs> Smuggling booze in baby food containers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and my last question was, what scares you more than anything? What, what scares you more than anything? What scares me more than anything? Uh, uh, probably, actually, I have a pretty bad fear of heights. Uh, I have vertigo, so, like, um, probably when I'm in a high place, <laughs> yeah. I get more scared than anything else. Yeah, apparently everyone is um, born scared of heights. Well, really? Like a, so you just have to adjust to it? Yeah, it some people... Surely it's a survival technique, right? Yeah. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Well, I remain very scared of heights. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> cool. Who's up next? Rufus. Oh, Tam. It's me. Um, I wanted to know about what you studied at uni and uh, why. Um, I did a BA. I majored in history. Um. I actually just did it because I was interested in history. I wasn't really thinking of any sort of practical career or anything, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. I think we've sort of read a little bit about it in some of the other um, interviews, but how you came to be a sex worker and I guess what the thought process was like for you making that decision, like was it really, I guess, out of the blue or did you already know people that were doing it? How did it sort of come to be? Um, well, I moved really far from my hometown to go to uni. And um, I needed, like, I was on I was on Centrelink because I'd moved so far from home and my, um, like, I have a single parent who was unemployed at the time. So I, um, but I still needed, like, more money than what Centrelink was providing. Mm-hmm. And I was studying full time. So I was like, I need a job that is going to pay well, but isn't going to eat too much into my uni time. Mm-hmm. And like the two things that came to mind is like lucrative, like stereotypically were like sex work and drug dealing. <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, I, I like sex, so maybe I'll go with the sex work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I also like drugs, so I guess I could have gone with drug dealing. <laughs> um, it's not too but, late. You could do both. Yeah. Um, I didn't know anyone doing it. Um, I'd always been curious about it, but purely just because sex workers kind of feature in a lot of, like, movies and books and, like, I don't know, it's something... It was something I was really curious about, but, no, I actually just Googled um, an escort agency and then just went for an interview and then just started straight away. And so it wasn't like you didn't have to sort of... I don't know, like, 
This is a very strange comparison to draw, but I tend to just talk a lot of shit, so I'll make it anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, go ahead. Like a few years ago when I when I sort of thought that I needed to um, take medication for my mental mm-hmm. health, I was I had to go through this process of like, I don't know, like thinking through my own stigma, even though I work in welfare and, yeah. and I had to sort of go through this weird little thing of breaking down my own barriers did you have anything like that or it was just like cool this is no I actually I didn't at all I mean I feel like the only thing I worried about was other at the time when I first started was other people finding out but like for me personally having any sort of like emotional or like moral reaction to it I was just like oh I need the money I'll do it um are you still scared of people finding out oh no not at all I mean um, no, not at all. I started telling people after about a year, a year and a half of doing it. Mm. Um, I was mainly scared when I first started because I literally, I knew no one who did it. Mm-hmm. And I was also new to Sydney and I didn't feel like I had like a very strong like support network or like anything. As I, as I got, you know, like as I had more friends and things like that, I felt like it was something that I could be more open about. Mm. But yeah. It would have been a little bit awkward maybe in the start if you're like pretty like cashed up and everyone's like, what do you do for work? Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, except I wasn't that cashed up. I actually wasn't, when I first started sex work, I wasn't making much money at all. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, really. I'd only ever slept through, like most of my clients are men, right? And I only ever slept with one guy in my life. And wow. so like I didn't, uh, I wasn't particularly confident. I didn't know how to. I feel like please clients in the way I do now. Yeah. And I, I was very much a noob, like, mm. and so I wasn't exactly cashed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a pretty like poor sex worker. <laughs> so, so I mean, poor in quality rather than yeah. otherwise. But yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what does sex work entail for you at the moment, personally? For me, at the moment, I'm doing two different things. I'm doing private escorting, which is, um, which is like I advertise myself. Men contact me. I usually see them at a hotel, um, and it's like it's like full service. So full service means penetrative sex. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just an industry term for it. So it's like full service kissing, oral, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and then I also work in a massage parlor, but a full service massage parlor, which means that. <laughs> The standard service is a nude massage with a hand job that I can choose what I do with clients. So I can decide to have sex with a client or give them a blowjob or a golden shower or whatever the fuck is being negotiated. Like, so, yeah, they're the two different things I do. Does that get negotiated before or can you negotiate during? Anyway, really, some guys know what they want when they come in. They walk in and they're like, I want to have sex. Some guys are like, no, 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 I have a wife. Like, I only want a hand job. And then halfway through the booking, they're like, how about the sex? Like, so it kind of, it kind of depends. What's your limit? When would you, um, what would you say is the line for you? Um, what is the line for me? There are plenty of things I won't do. Um, <laughs> I'm not really into BBSM very much. Okay. Just because I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not good at role play. I find it very hard not to laugh. So I don't really do much yeah. BDSM just because I'm pathetic at it. <laughs> um, I'm not really into anything rough or violent. Mm-hmm. 
I don't do anal, but that's I have done it with clients. I don't generally do it because I can't usually trust them not to be rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, I'm actually quite vanilla. Mm-hmm. Really. <laughs> I just had a weird side thought pop up when you when you mentioned the golden shower. Who cleans that's about up? as that's about as like that's kinky. about as probably like kinky as I go. Yeah. <laughs> and who cleans up after that? Like, what happens? When oh, you clean? always have a golden shower in the shower. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or in a bath. You always, yeah, that's like the most sensible way to do it. Yeah. What's happening in between? Is like someone coming in and like mopping the floors (laughs) and like. Oh, no. (laughs) I wish I had a cleaner, but no. Um, I guess you kind of already answered this uh, before when you said that most of your clients are men. So um, I I was just going to ask you if, if. you know, you see a balance of cis folk or, or trans or non-binary? No, definitely not. I see mainly, like, 95% cis men. And I do see, actually, no, probably more 90%. I do see quite a lot of women, but they're generally coupled. Like, often it'll be, like, the woman's bi and she's married a husband, and, like, every now and again they go have a threesome. Like, um, but it's mainly cis men and... The reason for that, there's like a few reasons, is partly because cis men earn a lot more than other people. So they're more likely to have an expendable income to be able to pay for a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is that it is uh, a very accepted and social thing for them to do. Like a lot of guys will go out for a night out and on the way home they'll go to the brothel together. Like, you know, 10 of them will just like decide to book some girls together. And it's a really, it's a really like normalized um, culture. thing for them to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a part, it's a part of like Instead straight of men, straight male culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think, um, like, going on with that, like, do you think women sort of have more barriers around sexual freedom? Around sexual freedom, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I think there's definitely a massive stigma for a woman to book a sex worker. Like, it's women aren't meant to have sexual desire in the first place. Like, let alone would they like are they meant to pay for it? You know what I mean? Like, people would see a woman doing that as like quite desperate and probably quite weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is which is fucked. Like, I wish there were. I wish it was more acceptable for women to see sex workers. I wish I saw more um, female clients. But um, yeah, it's definitely. There's definitely a barrier there. Also, studies have shown that when um, women earn money, they spend it more on other people around them, like their family, as opposed to when you give men money, they spend it on mm. themselves, even mm. in developing countries. Mm, yeah. so, oh, well, that makes that makes yeah. a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting yeah. that it translates mm. into sex work as well. Um, how, do, how does your family feel about your sex work, if they know? Um... Yeah, so the only family members that I'm close to are my dad and my brother. Um, and my brother was just like, whatever about it. Just always hits me up for loans. That's about it. <laughs> He's like 19. Um, and my dad was, he was like, look, you're living out of home. You're supporting yourself financially. I can't really say what you can or can't do. Like that was his attitude to it. He was like, I wish that you had chosen to do something else, but I can't, like, I can't tell you how to live your life. That was yeah. his approach. Um, but over time, he's grown um, much more accepting of it, uh, supportive of it, I should say. Um, my extended family were definitely not okay with it, but they were also not okay with the fact that I was, like, a lesbian. So, like, I feel yeah. like the fact that I was a sex worker was just, like, an added, like, an yeah. added thing. 
Did it feel like um, you had to come out again? (laughs) Sorry? Did it feel like coming out or did it feel different? No, well, I didn't. I honestly think they're just really confused. Like, they're like, can't compute. She said she was into girls, now sleeping with men for money. Like, I think there's like a big confusion there. (laughs) But um, they're all really religious, so it's... um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I don't have much to do with my extended family, to be honest. I see them, like, maybe, like, once every two years. So um, it doesn't really bother me too much, what they think. Yeah. 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 But also kudos to you for actually being open and honest about it because many people would sort of just try and hide it and not even say anything, you know. So that's pretty brave, I think. Yeah. So I think it's the only real I don't know, way to break down stigma in the long run is for people to be transparent, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, um, we know that you identify as a queer woman. How about your queer family and community? How have they sort of reacted to this? They've generally been really supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the queer community is much more understanding of sex work anyway because it's often been one of the few occupations that queer people can do gay men, trans women, like, it's, yeah, um, so it's something they generally can understand. I've had a bit of horrorphobia from sort of, like, mainstream, um, like, white gay guys, um, who I think have become more invested in sort of subscribing to the status quo and earning respect that way rather than, um, continuing to question, like, arbitrary, um, like laws and morality that we have in society or whatever um but generally the queer community has been really really accepting yeah because generally speaking like cis gay men are pretty sexually adventurous and yeah like quite open-minded about sex in general but yeah it hasn't been the fact that i've been having sex with men that has bothered them what i've had said to me by gay guys is um, for example i'll just quote one guy once he was like oh babe he was like don't class yourself with those prostitutes like you're so pretty like you could actually do something <laughs> like I've had, lo- I've had stuff like that said to me or another guy was like what are you saying he was like babe you should go be a stripper like you've got a pretty body and a pretty face like you really don't need to be one of those like they're the kind of sort of like backhanded compliments but not really compliments <laughs> the gay yeah. guys <laughs> oh gosh how do you even respond to something like that <laughs> I'm always like I am a prostitute and I'm happy to be one so whatever like <laughs> I found it very interesting when I started looking on Twitter at the hashtag uh, what was the hashtag that you started faces of prostitution yeah that was it yeah um, yeah. And some of the, like, lobbyist groups using the hashtag to, like, attack sex workers. Yeah, like, posting photos of, like, people who murdered sex and workers and stuff. I find yeah. it really ridiculous because, you know, like, you don't see people posting photos of, like, murdered wives to protest marriage. And so many women are murdered by their husbands. You know yeah. what I mean? It's... Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Female sex workers are a vulnerable group of people just because society yeah. is so much, so, so, much so misogynist, like so misogynistic. So um, as much as this is important to advocate for normalizing sex work and showing empowered women who have control over mm-hmm. the situation, um, how do we also support sex workers who maybe not 
in that position? Well, uh, firstly, um, decriminalisation, which is what yeah. most sex workers and sex worker rights activists want and which is what Amnesty International recently supported. Yeah. Decriminalisation would not only make it easier um, for women who want to be doing sex work to yeah. work safely, it also makes it... It also makes safer working conditions for those who would rather be doing something else or who would mm-hmm. rather leave the sex industry. Because when you have, like, for example, criminalisation, you women can be arrested for doing sex work, right? Mm-hmm. Then they get a criminal criminal record, which makes it even harder for them to leave sex work because they're permanently branded as a sex worker with mm-hmm. a criminal record, right? Yeah. So by having decriminalisation, you actually make it easier for people to exit sex work. And by normalising the sex industry and recognising people's skill sets that they get from sex work, it means they're not uh, trapped in that position. Yeah. It means they will be able to be more, I guess, socially mobile or whatever. So I think the important thing to focus on, like I actually hate discussions around empowerment because I think it's irrelevant, like right. whether you're empowered by your job or not. Like what is important is that people have human rights and they have workers' rights. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll find that most sex worker activists focus on decriminalisation because it is a policy and a system that will help anyone in the sex industry, regardless of why they're in the sex industry or whether they want to be there. Mm. And um, same as, like, reducing stigma. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So does that, does moment, that make sense? Yeah, t- absolutely. Yeah. At the moment, in Victoria, sex work is criminalised. No, it's no? legalised. It is legalised. Which means, which is different to decrim. So decrim means that it's sex work is subject to the same laws and regulations as any other industry. Legalisation means it's subject to different laws and regulations. So it means they can pick and choose and, for for example, in Victoria, it means you have to be registered with an SWA number if you're a private worker. Why do you have to be registered? No one else needs to be registered in other industries, right? So that's legalisation changes from place to place. So Queensland has a different, has a legalisation model too, but has completely different laws to what Victoria has. So, yeah, it's a bit complicated. Yeah. Um, because here in Melbourne, there's a lot of illegal sex work and street sex work, especially in St Kilda, right where myself and Cyrus <clears throat> live. Um, and so I guess that must come down to that again, where a lot of the, the hierarchy, as you speak about, um, and a lot of these women maybe can't be registered. Like, how come if it's legal here, there's still people doing it illegally? Because maybe the legal system doesn't work for them. For example, like a lot of, um, so some people who work on the streets work on the streets because they don't want to work in a brothel system. Like they don't necessarily want to be giving their money to a, to a manager or whatever, or they might be working on the streets because they are the kind of person who won't be hired at a brothel. So for example, um, a lot of trans, um, women won't be hired at brothels, um, indigenous Australian workers, um, drug using sex workers, like mm-hmm. there are people that brothels won't hire. Right. So they oh, often often people who are street based sex workers are street based sex workers because other avenues aren't so accessible to them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and then criminalizing that, like criminalizing street work just makes it more difficult for them and more dangerous for them mm-hmm. to work. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh that's really oh, no. good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Renee just sort of um, mentioned the word hierarchy. Could you kind of uh, speak more about that and sort of tell us and the listeners what that is? Yeah, so the hierarchy is basically the hierarchy that exists in sex work and shouldn't exist. So it's the idea that some sex workers are worth more or less than others. So basically it goes 
I mean, it's it changes according to to many things, like to your ethnicity, um, to your what class, like all that all that kind of stuff. But it basically just sees yeah, some sex workers as more valuable. So basically, street based sex workers are generally seen as the bottom of the hierarchy, and then you usually have like brothel workers, um, then massage parlor workers, um, like uh, uh, what are those? these things called um peep show girls Mm -hmm. um then you'll have like phone sex workers like um porn stars escorts bdsm mistresses um sugar babies like it kind of it kind of goes like that but like it sort of like changes from place to place and like whatever but um it basically just means the hierarchy is a big problem because often it comes from other sex workers um trying to assert their own their own value by throwing other workers under the bus. Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, an escort will be like, oh, well, I would never work at a brothel. Mm-hmm. Or a sugar baby would be like, well, I might suck a man's dick for, like, a bag, but, like, um, I'm not a whore <laughs> like those other girls. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's uh, it basically, instead of focusing on trying to get rights for all sex workers, regardless of whether they use drugs or what ethnicity they are or whatever, it's basically the hierarchy is a problem because it's basically asserting your own right to things and just discarding the rest. Mm. So it's a bit yeah. like that gay guy saying to you, "But babe, you're t- you're really pretty and you've got a good body. Yeah. You should be a stripper." Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Strippers are in the uh, strippers are in there as well. I forgot to list strippers. Sorry, yeah. strippers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's really interesting, actually. Mm. Yeah. And what's a sugar baby? <laughs> Sorry? What's a sugar baby? Oh, a sugar baby is... A sugar baby is a kind of sex worker, but generally what they do is it's a less... So escorts generally work charged by the hour, right? Mm -hmm. Sugar babies tend to have a more sort of like traditionally monogamous relationship where it's a more... It's less clearly defined. So they might spend, you know, a few nights a week with an older man and get things in exchange that are... That are, it has usually has less clearly defined terms than an escort, and it basically, sorry, it's like they usually like really. Um, do you actually not know? Or I really didn't know. Oh. Isn't like <laughs> oh, a right. that really surprises me. I thought you were just asking just to get for a the clarify for the oh. listeners. It's usually like older men or like really quite yeah. wealthy men who might travel a lot for business or whatever and whenever they're in town they'll have their sugar baby and they basically like Wind pay down. their rent or you know like look after them financially oh. and they kind of are in these like quasi relationships Are you yeah it's really complicated because it mimics monogamy more than some of the other arrangements because you're, a lot of sugar babies have an exclusive relationship with their sugar daddy or at least they profess to have an exclusive yeah. relationship it, it, it's, it's enshrined in like a more accepted thing by society mm-hmm. even though yeah. it is a form of sex work yeah. but like like society is the further away things get from a traditional marriage relationship like the yeah. more threatening society yeah. finds things that's so really... sugar babies sort of like uh, uh, sugar babies are sort of between like escort and gold digger basically so, like, yeah so I yeah. see a really great docker is about sugar babies wait who was who sent the really funny lame joke the other day oh I did yeah about the um, gender, the neutral, gender neutral, neutral term for sugar daddy is glucose 
Someone. Guardian. Glicko's Guardian. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> it's friggin' Liam, that's why I sent it to you. So I didn't realise, like, I guess that didn't even dawn on me that a sugar baby is someone that has a sugar daddy and that's still a form of sex work. Yeah, well, they're exchanging, like, sexual services, like emotional, sexual labour, whatever, for right. generally money. I always or, hear the term or, sugar like, daddy. things like bags and things like that, yeah. Yeah, but never, I've never heard the term sugar baby, mm-hmm. okay. Clearly I need to curl back onto that rock I came from. <laughs> <laughs> um, what advice would you give someone who's considering becoming a sex worker? I would advise anyone to get in touch with their local SWAP, Sex Worker Outreach Project, who can tell them of the laws in their area um, because laws change so differently from place to place that I think that firstly you have to be aware of like uh, your vulnerabilities and things like that in terms of the law. Um, and what else would I say? I honestly feel like that would be the starting point I would give. Um, and then I guess also be aware of the repercussions if you if it does become known that you're a sex worker and I think the repercussions like are fucked but like like the fact that you might be judged for it and things like that but I still think it's important to be aware of those things Mm -hmm. yeah yeah cool you sort of already answered this question but um how did you become more comfortable with being a sex worker and being able to sort of um, not care about other people's opinions I was, yeah, I was always fine in within myself with being a sex worker, but I was worried at first about other people finding out. But then as time went on, I felt like a few things. Firstly, I felt like this, I had this ominous cloud over me of like, what if someone finds out one day? I'd rather people found out on my terms. Mm. And also I felt like I was lying by omission. Yeah. Um, and I was like, here I am in a position to actually speak about this. Like I'm lucky enough that I... Um, for example, I'm white, I'm educated, um, people aren't going to, I'm not, I'm not an immigrant, people aren't going to turn around and use this as an argument against um, immigrants, for example, which like is what happens if, for example, an, a migrant woman speaks out about being a sex worker. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, immigrants, like, of mm-hmm. course they're doing jobs like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was in a position where I could, I could talk about my sex work and not have it used as fodder against certain people. So I was like, how can I, you know, I'm so privileged and lucky in so many ways and it's kind of selfish of me not to be utilizing that. Mm-hmm. Like when so many people aren't able to talk about their job. Um, so, yeah, that was like the main reason why I started telling people. Yeah, cool. That's really amazing. And um, race seems to have come up a few times. Is race racism an issue in the industry? Totally. Racism is an issue everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an issue in every industry. Um, yeah, for example, like... Um, Asian sex workers or um, black sex workers are often told they can't charge as much as white sex workers, oh, and um, really? uh, often so often oh. places will actually pay them less if yeah. they're not a white woman. Um, also, like people of color have to deal with like the uh, thing of like uh, getting um, exotic what's the word exoticized exoticized yeah, like yeah. Um, men like fetishizing their race and stuff like that, mm. and like the there's like the double bind and like you profit off that fetishization but like mm. it's also yeah it's really it's really complicated yeah, yeah for sure yeah wow what do you like to do with all the spare time that 
this job kind of allows you because I well I don't know are you working like a, <laughs> um, seven days a week or you know do you have a lot of- I usually yeah I have a lot of free time and that's probably the main reason I stuck to this job is because I love the free time <laughs> <laughs> um I what do I do I read a lot I swim I um go horse riding um I hang out with friends I'm learning German at the moment very badly <laughs> um so I guess that's how I fill my time yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of things you can find to do <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do you are you like dictating how often you work now, less so earlier in your career, or how does how does that work? I do earn more now than I did when I started. Yeah. Like much more. I know more what I'm doing. I know where my strengths lie. Like yeah, I earn a lot more now than when I started. Um, I still don't. It's been difficult because the more I've become known as an activist or whatever, like um the less money I make in my private escorting because men, ultimately, they want to buy a fantasy. And the fact that I'm, like, this quite open, like, queer, possibly could be conceived as radical. Like, oh. sex worker actually has decreased my income. So <laughs> like, basically, the more political I get, the less money I make. Because the less um, submissive you might seem? Less because, sorry? Because you might seem less submissive? I think it's more because so many men want to imagine that they could have a relationship with you or could they, they want to project things onto you. And mm. I think it's very hard to project things onto a person who's like, well, like I'm queer and like I actually mainly like women and saw this job fun that like I date women in my private life. And it, it ruins some of the illusion. Mm. Um, yeah, which has been interesting because like, of course, like doesn't everyone want to earn more money? But like I would rather have like integrity and feel right with my conscience so yeah. um yeah. but yeah. yeah is there a huge um dichotomy between male sex gay male sex workers and female sex workers uh or do you have like, um, a shared community at all oh yeah i have lots of um gay male friends who do sex work um there's a, there are differences firstly sex work is the only industry in which women earn more than men mm. so gay men can't charge as much um they don't make as much mm. Um, there's another thing there, which is they're not persecuted in the same way that female sex workers are. Mm-hmm. Gay men are already seen as promiscuous. Um, it doesn't challenge people as much, but they're, um, when, when there are attacks on gay male sex workers, it tends to be homophobia, right? right. So for example, when there was a, when there was a raid on the rent boy offices in America, um, that was, that was just a, that was just a manifestation of homophobia. Mm-hmm. Whereas people's issue with women sex workers is a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's an issue with women having autonomy and financial stability through their sexuality. Like it's a different, it's a different issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's interesting. I was just not sure how separate or um, joint that community was because sometimes in the just general queer community there seems to be quite a split. Well, I mean, yeah, there is. Uh, I, um, I mean, I'm only speaking for myself. I have a lot of gay male friends. Right. And I, so for me personally, I interact with a lot of gay male sex workers. Yeah. But more generally, there probably is a wider split. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And in the brothels, is there a selection? Is there like 
men, women, trans people, or is that very separate no. within sex? No, work? it's it's it's. I mean, obviously, there are. I have worked with a, num- a number of like um, um, gender gender neutral or like non binary mm. people, but when they're in the brothel, they will present as um, femme, like as a cis woman. Do you know what I mean? Because like that that's the way they earn their money. Wow. So you may work with you may work with like. You may work with trans people and non-binary people and stuff, and you may you may know that about them as another working girl. But like in the brothel, they will present as yeah as feminists in order to market themselves and stuff. Um, brothels generally won't. There there are trans brothels, but they're specifically trans brothels. There are gay male brothels, but they're specifically gay male brothels. Right. Yeah. Like brothels. For your average straight guy, will only really hire cis women, yeah. or at least people that present as cis women to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is um identifying as a queer woman and and having female partners is it somewhat? I don't know, like easier to compartmentalize. Um. Work and like sleeping with men at work and then being I know you say you see women as well at work but mm. is that does that somehow I don't yeah, know yeah I I personally find it I okay so I find that with a lot of my friends working girls who are straight girls they after a long time of doing sex work they often struggle to have in uh, fulfilling relationships with men because sometimes it can be hard to differentiate yeah. between, you know, you're seeing all these men as clients and then when yeah. your boyfriend behaves in a way that a client might behave, you're like, whoa, like, yeah. what is the difference? You know, like, I know, mm. I know the last few times I had sex with straight cis guys in my private life, I was like, fuck, I've had better sex at work. I could be a patient. <laughs> like, never doing that again. Like, That's awesome. um, so I feel like it, it can be difficult in that way. Yeah. And um, also I feel like you can become more cynical in your approach to men. Yeah. And, then yeah, exactly. When you see your if you see your male partner behave in the way that a client does, it's really grating. Like oh, he's just being he's just another client. Like especially if um, you're seeing a bunch of married men all the time. That as well. Yeah, just be like, totally. Well, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So I I I personally find it really good that I have quite a clear delineation between work and private life in terms of that. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, can't speak for everyone, but, like, when I first started sex work, an older working girl said to me, she was, like, maybe, like, 40 and had been working for, like, 20-something years or whatever, mm. um, she was like, you're going to stick around the longest because the lesbians always do. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if there's truth in that, but, like, I'll <laughs> see. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I, I, yeah. I do feel like somehow it would be almost like a protective factor. It make it easier not to conflate, I guess, emotion and sex. If you're into women and having sex with men for work, it would be easier. Yeah, to well, I've I've always yeah I've always been much more emotionally into women yeah. and just enjoy sleeping with any anyone anything like. Yeah. Sounds, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Have you noticed that since you've become a little bit more better known or well known that more women have been? wanting to acquire your services? Um, a few guys 
does have blocked me. But what I have noticed is that I never used to get hit on by girls ever because, mm. like, I look straight or whatever. Never. And now since I'm known as, like, a queer girl, I get hit on so much more. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, show me the money, of, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of nice. <laughs> but um, it's kind of – it's also weird that, like, as a femme girl, like, you have to be known as, like, a recognisable individual for people to read you as queer. Like, yeah. yeah, I think that's strange as well. Like, I think when I first came out, um, I presented as very femme and, yeah. you know, would cop a lot of shit in, in gay bars for that. Um, Things have changed a lot, though, here in Melbourne as yeah. far as people identifying as the strict stereotypes. Yeah, it has changed, I mm. think, in the last maybe mm. 10 years quite a bit. Ten years? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've missed the boat. I was like, when I came out, I was super femme, and now I'm, like, not going out anymore, and I've missed out. <laughs> it's over. Now you ride a motorbike. <laughs> now, I, now I've resorted to riding a motorbike just so that people know that I'm gay. <laughs> oh, my God. I know what you mean. There have been so many points where I've wanted to get, like, something tattooed on me that was just, like, really obvious. So. <laughs> Did you guys have any more questions? Uh, well, we're... we're really quickly running out of time I guess um you know you were, t- you were talking about your activism and you know how you felt like that you were lucky and and, and so privileged um to be able to to do what you do but then also to speak out about it and improve the, the working conditions what would you sort of recommend people like us who wouldn't know anything about the industry you know or don't know much and what what would you sort of recommend that um that people outside of your industry do to sort of um, I guess yeah. um, I guess there are a few things. Like, firstly, I would always. I think it's really important to include sex worker voices on things. So, for example, if you're having a women's conference about feminism, why not have a sex worker speak? Mm. And I know that some people say that tokenism, but I think it is actually really important to include mm. sex workers as a part of like the more general feminist movement. Um, then there are things like um, you can donate to sex worker rights orgs. Um, you can also, for example, um, donate to um, like Scarlet Alliance, which is a national sex worker rights um, org. You can donate things like um, clothes and pads and tampons and things, and they will give them to street-based sex workers who often mm. don't have access to things like that. Um, and then it's also really important to... Um, rem- campaign when there's possibility of law change. So, for example, in um, South Australia, it's illegal. Sex work is illegal. And there has been talk in the last few years of, like, maybe reconsidering that and moving to a legalisation model. And it's important to, like, you know, speak about this kind of stuff with people, like sign petitions and help sex workers spread the word because most people just don't think about whether sex work is illegal, decriminalised, legal, whatever. Mm. Um, They're all things that I would say that you can do as a non-sex worker. And then there's just, like, the little things of, like, if someone says something about sex workers, like, pull them up on it. Mm. But... Uh, well, I think we've maybe run over a tiny bit. Sorry about that, Tilly. But oh, no, that's okay. It's all good. My um, my friends won't be here for another five minutes or oh, so. Okay. It's fine. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. It's been really great to talk to you. And um, if you have anything that you'd like us to put up on the website, any supporting stuff, we'll put links on. Um, but... Cheers. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, that was my pleasure. That was fun. All right. right. Well, I hope you have a lovely rest of your night. Thank Thank you. you. See you guys.
Um, I just want to say thank you guys for uh, having me on the podcast. It's been really, um, it's been fun. It's been interesting hearing different perspectives and learning. And thank you to all the listeners for hearing my random, incoherent thoughts. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I hope to you. check in with you guys and I'll be listening from wherever I end up. <laughs> yeah, we're really going to miss having Cyrus on the show. Yeah, yeah. but I feel like we'll, we'll get you back. Yeah, I'll be here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.